Welcome to the Vertical Church Podcast. Now here's Pastor Josh Butcher with today's message. Uh, let's just jump into this. Luke chapter 23. We're in Luke again today. Uh, we're going to pick up verse 35. We're going to read all the way to verse 43. Uh, and, then, uh, and then I just want to share a few thoughts about what Jesus says here from the cross. If you have a Bible, that's awesome. If you don't have a Bible, the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Here we go. Luke 23, verse 35. A great crowd gathered to watch what was happening. So Jesus is on the cross. Let me remind you where we're at in the story. Jesus is on the cross. He's just said the first word, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Interesting note, uh, the way the language is written, it implies that Jesus didn't just say it one time, but the entire time he's on the cross, he's praying for their forgiveness, which is really cool, man. Jesus prays relentlessly, so I think we should too. Um, anyway, a great crowd gathered to watch what was happening. Jesus had been crucified. The religious leaders sneered at Jesus and mocked him, saying, Look at this man. What kind of chosen Messiah is this? He pretended to save others, but he can't even save himself. They're, they're gloating. They're, they're looking at Jesus and they're saying, you, you thought you were something special. You thought you were a big deal. Look at you now, Jesus. You did all this great stuff, but, but, but why can't you get off? If you did all those miracles, why can't you get off the cross? And the soldiers join in, verse 36, they join in the mockery by offering Jesus a, a drink of vinegar. Over Jesus' head on the cross was written an inscription in Greek, Latin, and Aramaic. This man is the king of all the Jews. They wrote it in three languages because the place where Jesus is crucified, called the place of the skull or Cal Calvary or uh, Golgotha, whatever you want to call it, uh, the reason it has so many different names is because so many different kind of people would pass by that road. It was a major uh, highway into uh, Jerusalem, and so they had to write it in three different languages because the crowd was that, that diverse to make sure everybody could understand what his, what his crime was. Why is he being punished? All the soldiers laughed and scoffed at him, saying, Hey, if you're the king of the Jews, why don't you save yourself? One of the criminals hanging on the cross next to Jesus kept ridiculing him, saying, What kind of Messiah are you? Save yourself and save us from this death. In other words, hey, hey, if you can save yourself, why don't you hook us up too? You know, like, why don't you hook us up while you're saving yourself? And so this first thief, he looks at Jesus and he, 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 he cries out for salvation, but it's not really salvation because he just wants Jesus to get him off the cross. But he wants Jesus to do the one thing Jesus couldn't do ever wondered is there something Jesus can't do like like when I was a kid we would always ask our Sunday school teacher hey could God make a rock so big even he couldn't move it you know anybody ask that question no okay I was the only one with the crazy thoughts in mind all right cool um if there is one thing Jesus could not do he could not save himself for if he saved himself he could not save anyone else because there is no power in a bloodless gospel if he comes off the cross he does not save anyone but himself. But if he stays on the cross, he saves everyone. So he could not do this. He couldn't save himself. Verse 40, the criminal hanging on the other cross rebuked the man, saying, don't you fear God? You're about to die. In other words, what's wrong with you? What's the matter with you? Why are you saying these things? And he says, we deserve to be condemned, for we are just being repaid for what we've done. But this man, he's done nothing verse 42 he looks at Jesus and he says I beg of you my Lord Jesus show me grace and take me with you into your everlasting kingdom and then verse 43 this is our second statement that Jesus says from the cross he looks at him and he says I assure you 
today you will be with me in paradise. This is a word of salvation. The first word was a word of forgiveness. It was a prayer. The first word is a prayer that Jesus prayed. The second word is a word of salvation. And ironically enough, it's actually an answer to a prayer. The thief on the cross beside Jesus prays out and asks him to remember. And we, you, might, you might remember it this way. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. It's a prayer that the thief prayed and Jesus answers him and says, I will do that. You will be with me in paradise. It's a word of salvation. In this series, I'm titling the sermons just what the word is, right? So the first week, the title of the sermon was forgiveness, right? Not fancy. This week, the title of the sermon is salvation. It's nothing fancy. Just, just wanted to be completely simple and, and straightforward. But, but if I was going to give it an unofficial or a subtitle, let's call this salvation. It's in the middle. All right, let's work on this idea. It's in the middle. How many of you know the good stuff is in the middle? Anybody know that? Like when, when, when I was a kid and they made double-stuffed Oreos and I ate my first double-stuffed Oreo, I had no idea why anyone would ever choose a regular Oreo again in their life. Because the good stuff in an Oreo is in the middle. Those of you who, like, scrape the, the, the cream off and just eat the chocolate wafers, what's wrong with you? Like the, thief, the first thief on the cross, like, like I would look at you and say, what are you doing? What's, I just, just lick the cream and throw the wafer away. The good stuff is in the middle. How many of you like Netflix? I love Netflix. Let me see if I can get everybody on board with this idea of, of in the middle. Um, do you do this when you watch Netflix? I do this all the time. Um, I will, on my remote, if I touch the little, the little pad, it, show, it pops up the timeline. You know what I mean? Like the timeline so you can see the beginning and the end on the timeline. And what I do is I touch that because I want to know where are we in this episode? Where are we in this movie? Because i got to tell you, there's some unresolved tension here, and I don't like movies that end badly. I don't like it when a movie doesn't end the way I want it to end, so I need to know, are we still in the middle of this episode, or are we about to the end? Because, because I know that the good stuff is in the middle. Okay, let's try this. Jesus is crucified in the middle of two thieves. So the good stuff happens in the middle. Can I get an amen on that? The great things happen in the middle. Some of you are going through something in your life today, and you need to tell yourself, it's just the middle. It's just the middle. This isn't the end. The cross was not the end. The grave was not the end. It was just the middle for Jesus. When you're in the middle of your episode and there's unresolved tension, it's okay. It's just the middle. Jesus is on this cross, and the reality is this is not his cross. This is not intended for Jesus. This cross was actually meant for another man. His name was Barabbas, or if you're really technical, it's Bar-Abba, right? Like son of the father, which is really interesting that Jesus took the cross of a man named son of the father so that the sons of the father might receive life. The Bible's so interesting. Like, you can't make that kind of stuff up, right? But anyway, so Barabbas is the leader of an insurrection. He's a revolutionary. And Rome had one way to deal with revolutionaries, and that was to crucify them, to kill them, to show everyone this is what happens to you when you defy the Roman Empire. You get crucified. 
And so Barabbas has already been uh, convicted. He's already been sentenced. He's going to a cross. And there are two other guys that are going to be crucified beside him. And listen, I don't know. I need you to just go with me here this morning, okay? Um, I don't know that this is the case. These could be two guys that Barabbas had no idea who they were. But I like to think about it as, as Barabbas's wingmen, right? Because you don't lead an insurrection by yourself. You have some help. And so these guys, they're not the leader. They're not the hardened criminal, but they are, they're like the, 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 the lackeys that follow Barabbas, right? They're the one who they're the ones who get, get dirty and try to get the job done. So, so Barabbas is going to go in the middle, and his two co-conspirators, his two accessories to insurrection are going to be crucified beside him. But the problem is a, la- a last-minute pardon came for Barabbas. See, tradition had it that at Passover, Pilate, not because he had to, not because he was good, but simply just to appease the people, you know, because sometimes when you just throw somebody a bone, throw them a carrot, right? Like, it just keeps them happy and it keeps the, 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 the tension down in the city. So, to do that, he, um, he, he's going to pardon one criminal a year at Passover. And so, he gathers the crowd together and he's already... He's already um, uh, put Jesus on trial. He's already questioned Jesus. And he's like, I really don't think this guy's guilty of what they're saying he's guilty of. And so I don't want to sentence this man to die. Uh, So what I can do is let's go ahead and let's do the thing where I pardon somebody and I'll give the crowd a choice and, and I'll do this. And every parent knows exactly what Pilate does. Pilate gives two choices, one really bad choice and one really good choice to the parent. It's like it's like you how you try to get your kids to eat broccoli, yeah. right? It's like you don't listen. Do you want this chocolate bar or broccoli? You know, it's like Barabbas, boo! He's a bad man. Or Jesus, you know, who do you want to be free? And because you put it last, your kid says broccoli, right? So he's expecting the crowd to say Jesus, except they don't. They say Barabbas. Now he's kind of like, well, that didn't work. <laughs> My reverse psychology didn't work. I thought they were going to ask for Jesus, but they've asked for this murderer to be set free, and now the prince of life is going to, to die. And so Jesus is now nailed to a cross between Barabbas' co-conspirators. And you got to know they were ticked. <laughs> you know they were mad. They're like, wait, Barabbas is getting off? <laughs> How is this fair? This is this is not right. Like, like, this is wrong. How much regret did those men have allowing Barabbas to have influence in their life? You know, why did we follow this man? He's getting off free, and we're going to be crucified. This is not fair, which is a total side note. Be careful who you let have influence in your life. <laughs> right? Be careful who you give voice to in your life, because they might end up being Barabbas. Here, we didn't this year, uh, we did this series instead of doing a marriage series. So let me give you, if you're dating somebody, if you're single, uh, if you're married, you're going to have to figure out how to work this out. But let me give you the best dating advice that anyone will ever give you. You ready for this? Don't date Barabbas. (laughs) Mom, he's a really good guy. You just got to get to know his heart. He's a really good man. I know he led uh, an insurrection and he's about to get crucified, God, but he's just really really a good guy. No, he's Barabbas, and if you go out with him, you're going to be the one to pay the price, (laughs) right? Like, anyway, side note, let's jump in this. So, 
Jesus is between two cross, fulfilling, between two thieves, fulfilling the prophecy that said he would be numbered amongst the transgressors that Isaiah spoke hundreds of years ago. And it's real fitting because Jesus was born surrounded by animals and outcasts, and he dies surrounded by criminals, which is exactly the kind of company Jesus liked to keep. But um, anyway, let's jump, let's jump into this. Matthew chapter 27. The two thieves are there, and they're both, Matthew, not Matthew, Luke, sorry. Matthew says in chapter 27 that both thieves are blaspheming Jesus. Luke says that only one, so what's going on? Well, at some point in the course of the crucifixion, the one thief has a change of heart. Something happens to move this thief from cursing out Jesus to calling out to Jesus. Something happens to move him from blasphemer to worshiper. And I'm not sure there's a better picture of salvation, right? Like to move from making fun of Jesus to worshiping Jesus is the essence of salvation. And his prayer is so simple. It's not eloquent. It's not words that we say recite this. He simply looks at Jesus and he says, Jesus, remember me. Don't forget me. Lord, when you go into your kingdom, would you remember me? So, Jesus says something so short it would fit into a tweet. Yes, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. I want to I share three thoughts with you about What's in the middle? Because Jesus is in the middle, and he's in the middle of these two thieves, but there's so much more happening in the middle. The first thing I want you to know is that heaven is in the middle. Heaven. Paradise. Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. It's pa Heaven is in the middle. Jesus says, I assure you. We don't use that word a lot, but it's a word that basically means a personal guarantee. I guarantee you, today you will be with me in paradise paradise and to have to have certainty of heaven is to have hope for Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life the one who believes in me even though he were dead yet shall he live again so Jesus is saying listen you don't have to worry in our culture the the closest thing we could come up with is probably a confirmation number anybody like I like getting a confirmation number when I make a reservation I want a confirmation number so that I know if I show up and you're sitting at my table or you're in my hotel room, I will drag you out because I got a confirmation number, so I got a bed, right? Sorry, Mr. Butcher, we don't have any rooms available. Oh, no. Yes, you do. I got a confirmation number. Oh, you're going to have to wait for a table. No, I don't. I've got a confirmation number. I've got a guarantee that you have a table waiting for me, and so I'm going to go sit down. And uh, so that's what Jesus says. He says, here's your confirmation number. I assure you, today you will be. But then it's real interesting, right? Because we think heaven is all about this place. And we've, we've attached so many things to the idea of heaven that we've missed out on the most important aspect of heaven that Jesus mentions right here. See, we think that, that heaven is all about where we go when we die, we think it's all about, you know, floating around on little clouds and little babies wearing, you know, diapers, strumming harps and stuff. It's just weird what we think about heaven, which is why, by the way, after Easter, we're going to do a whole series about what happens after you die. And it's going to either be called, you're dead, now what? Or, or it's going to be called, what happens after you die? And we're going to talk about heaven and eternal life and, 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 and the kingdom of God. We're going to talk about all those things. But, but here's the thing that you got to know about heaven. 
Listen to what Jesus says. He says, today you will be, and then there's two words that he uses. He says, with me. And here's what you got to know about heaven. Heaven is a person before it's a place. I don't know if that registered with you because you didn't really receive that well. Let me say it again. Heaven is a person before it's a place. Jesus says, you will be with me. He's not talking about streets of gold and huge mansions and tropical palm trees and, and animals that can talk and, and communicate to you. He's saying, he's saying, listen, today you will be with me where I am. And, and, and we have to understand that heaven is being with Jesus. Heaven, if, if Jesus isn't in the place, the place isn't heaven, okay? If, if, if Jesus isn't there, it's not heaven. It's not paradise because heaven is being face-to-face -face with the presence of God. So when Jesus dies, and this is a little ahead of the story, when Jesus dies and in the temple the veil is torn, the veil is this thick fabric that separated the Holy of Holies from the, the more common areas of the, of the temple, and only the priest could go into the Holy of Holies where the very presence of God lived and dwelled, and so he could only do that one time a year, and he had to tie a rope on him when he did it because he might die because he got in God's presence. And then Jesus dies and he breathes his last breath. And the, the veil that separated God from humanity is torn, but not from bottom to top as if some human man tore it. It's torn from top to bottom as if God is saying, heaven is invading your reality. Heaven is invading your realm. I am coming to be with you. And where I am, heaven is. Heaven is in the middle. Heaven is in the middle, heaven is here. Heaven is accessible. Jesus taught us to pray on earth as it is in heaven. And we think salvation is an evacuation plan to get us out of here. But the reality is salvation is a rescue plan, but not to get us out, but for God to get in to our world, to enter into our experience. You don't have to go to heaven to experience Jesus. You experience Jesus to experience heaven. You go to Jesus to experience what heaven is like. This is exactly what we want our worship experience to be. We want our worship. We want wherever you're at on the on, on, on the Jesus spectrum, wherever you're at in your journey, we want you to come into this place. And, and you might say, I don't know about the songs. I don't know about what he said. And I don't know if that's true. And I don't know if Jesus is the only way. And I don't know about God. And I don't know about Holy Spirit. And I heard some people saying some weird words. And I don't know about any of that. But I can't deny that there was something different. I've been to concerts and I've heard a lot better music played but there was something different when those people sang and I can't explain it I can't put my finger on it but it felt like there for just that small little bit of time when we walked in from about 10 till we left it felt like I was in a different world <laughs> friend that's heaven Amen. that's heaven breaking open in Right, right in our midst. That's that's God invading our world and, and, and birthing resurrection right here, right now. Because heaven is in the middle. What's also in the middle is purpose. Purpose is in the middle. Purpose is in the middle. Jesus is hanging on the cross. And have you ever wondered how that thief knew to call out to Jesus? Like, I wonder that. Like, why? Why did he know to cry out to Jesus? And I think, 
I don't know this is true, but when I sit and I look and I read and I listen and I just sit there at the cross and try to imagine all these things happening, what I imagine is he, he starts out, he's blaspheming, he's cursing Jesus. Jesus, who do you think you are? But then, but then he starts listening. And the Jewish leaders are all gathered around. And what are they doing? You saved others. What are they saying? You remember, Jesus, you saved Lazarus. You raised Lazarus from the grave. Come on, why can't you get yourself off the cross? Wait, wait. He resurrected somebody? Jesus, you remember that guy named Bartimaeus? He was blind and you healed him. Why can't you get yourself off? You saved others. Like, he healed a blind man? Hey, Jesus, you remember that follower you had? He's already left and betrayed you now, but his name was Peter. He had a mother, his mother-in-law was sick. She had a fever, and you healed her, Jesus? Why can't you get yourself? Why can't, you saved her. Why can't you save? He healed a woman. He opened blind eyes. He raised a dead man. Who is this guy? I wonder who this man is. I'm going to lean in because, wait, wait, he's about to, is he about to say something? He's about to say something. I got, I got to be quiet. I'm not going to, I'm not going to blaspheme anymore. I want to hear what this man's saying. What, what's he saying? Did he just pray that his father would forgive these people? They're crucifying him. What is he, what is he thinking? He saved up, he said, he saved others. I wonder if he could save me. guy, man, he's hopeless. He's a, he's a hopeless case. He's been hardened by life. He, he would be an easy person to just write off and say, well, there's no hope for him. But Jesus doesn't do that because Jesus recognizes purpose is in the middle. I might be in the middle of it, but purpose is in the middle. And isn't it a beautiful image that the last person we think could be saved is the first person Jesus saves? Isn't that interesting? The last guy we think is going to get in the last guy we would expect to receive salvation is the first one to walk into paradise with Jesus. Because he, he goes with him hand in hand. He walks into the, 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 the realm of the Father hand in hand with Jesus. He's the first one that gets in. And he's the last one we would expect. And Jesus knew purpose is hiding in the middle. I might be on this cross right now, but my purpose in life is to seek and to save the lost. And there's a lost man right here. And just because I'm in the middle of it doesn't mean my purpose has disappeared. Some of you need to recognize that you might be in the middle of the darkest night of your life right now, but your purpose can be found in the middle of what you're going through. Your purpose hasn't disappeared just because you're in the middle of it. You might be in the middle of a frustrating, difficult marriage, but the purpose of your marriage can still be found in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of the good times, in the middle of the bad times. Some of us are so focused on, on either what was behind us or what we have yet to obtain that we miss out on what God wants to do right in the middle because there's purpose in the middle. And how you conduct yourself in the middle of what you're going through will go further in developing your faith than anything you could imagine. Amen. How do you act in the middle of it, in the middle of the difficulty, in the middle of the frustration, in the middle of the fear, in the middle of the disease, in the middle of the divorce, in the middle of the separation, in the middle of the unemployment, in the middle of the financial stress, in the middle of the sleepy night, in the middle of the darkness, how you conduct yourself in the middle determine what you see God do in your life. Jesus knew my purpose is in the middle. And he also knew number three, salvation is in the middle. Salvation is in the middle. 
I grew up in a church, and you would hear this all the time. You'd hear somebody say, I got saved. Anybody heard anybody like say that? Like We talk about it here at church, right? Like, I got saved, or Brother Jack got saved last week. You know, and that just meant that Brother Jack had an experience with Jesus where he surrendered his life to him, and it's awesome. God can do that. God does that all the time. In a moment, something happens. I love it. In a moment, chains are broken. In a moment, God breaks in. In a moment, you're never the same. In a moment, heaven opens above your life, and God pours favor and grace and love and compassion in your life, and, and salvation happens in a moment, but it's just not about a moment. It's also about the middle. Because, see, here's what happens is, is, is what we do is we think, well, I got saved. Boom, done. Praise the Lord. It's over. But no, no, no. Salvation is, is, is a moment, but it's also a process. Check, check this out before you think I've actually lost it. Uh, Ephesians, Paul talks about in chapter 2. He says, it is by grace you have been saved. Past tense, right? It's by grace you have been saved. But then check this out. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16. He says, inwardly we are being renewed day by day present tense. So I was saved. I'm being saved, but that's not even the crazy part. First Peter chapter one, verse five says that the coming salvation uh, yet to be revealed in the last day, meaning I will be saved. So salvation, there is this past present and future context to it. So it's a, it's a process. And the reality is most of us don't go to paradise as soon as we surrender our life to Jesus. Most of us don't go to paradise, we go to process. And even though you got saved, you may not feel saved. So you got to work it out. You gotta, it's like a marriage. You know, a marriage, a lot happens in the ceremony. Two become one in the ceremony, it's great. But you know where two become one? In the kitchen. When you're arguing about who's going to do the dishes and you're, and you're fighting with each other about, about, about who said this. See, two become one at the, at the ceremony, yes. But two become one in the living room. When you turn the TV off and you just start connecting and sharing your heart and your hopes and your dreams. See, marriage, is a, marriage happens in a moment, but it also happens in a process as the two become, as the two become one. Listen to me. You, if you have surrendered your life to Jesus, I don't want you to worry, question, fear, doubt, anything. You are saved. You are forgiven. You will never be more or less loved than you are right now. Okay, it, it, you're, you're good, you're, you're good to go, but, but you also have to recognize, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not where I want to be. I've got some room for growth. I'm, I, like Paul would say, I'm pressing on to the mark for which I have been called heavenward. He says, I'm pressing toward that, I'm forgetting what's behind, and I'm pressing forward. He, he, says, he says, grace isn't just in the past to get you started, Okay, this is what I want you to see. Grace isn't just behind you to get you on the road, and it's not just waiting for you to take you home. Grace is in the middle. It's the thief that says to Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And the reality is we need Jesus to remember us a lot more than just when we turn to him. We need, we need Jesus to remember us over and over and over again. When we're being tempted, Jesus, remember me. When times are hard, Jesus, remember me. When we're discouraged, Jesus, would you remember me? When we don't know what to do, when we're confused, when we're experiencing temptation, Jesus, I need you to remember me when my heart is broken and I don't know where to go and I'm trying to make hard decisions. Jesus, can you remember me? Salvation is a process. God's doing something in your life right now. When you need a breakthrough, when you need 
God to do the impossible. Lord, remember me. And it's not because God needs reminding. It's just that sometimes God's timing and your timing don't match up. But he, he still wants you to trust him. He still wants you to come after him. He still wants you to pray to him. He still wants you to chase after him, to, to, to be in the process. He invites us. Salvation is an invitation to be in the process in the middle. I just wrapped up a, a, a reading plan. I read through the major prophets since the beginning of the year. Uh, it's great. There's a lot of depression in that, man. There's a lot of, like, destruction and things are horrible. But there's this moment in Lamentations chapter 3 uh, that Jeremiah is writing this, and he's experiencing the destruction of Jerusalem. And, and he says this. He says, yet I still dare to hope when I remember this. Well, what does he remember? He says this, verse 22. He says, the faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. I was watching a, an NBA game recently. Uh, football's over, so now it's my basketball time. And um, the game was closed. It was coming right down to the end. I think the, the teams were separated by maybe one or two points. It was one basket. That's all separated them. And, um, and the, the trailing team had the ball, and it was getting close to the end of the game. And it's like they got one chance, right? If they, they got to make this basket or the game's over, right? Uh, it's probably like 50, 45 seconds left, something like that. I don't know. So it wasn't tail end, but, but it was coming down close. And uh, the shot clock is getting lower. The shot clock, 24-second clock, as it gets lower, they got to get rid of the ball. So dude just chucks it up there, and it misses. It hits the, it hits the rim and, and bounces off. And, and you can kind of tell that, oh, there went victory. There went our chance. But then the, the craziest thing happened. That team got the rebound. And I've heard this over and over again, but because I'm a preacher, I'm always taking stuff in. And so it really clicked on me in that moment. The, the announcer said, they get a new 24. And I thought, I'm a preacher. That works. They get a new 24. That's what you got to remind yourself every time when you wake up in the morning. I got a new 24. I didn't deserve it. But he's given me a new 24. What, is, what does Jeremiah say? He says, great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh every morning. Isn't that how God works? Every morning you get a new 24. Every morning when you're in process, you get a, a new 24. Each day when you wake up, you're not, you're not in the, at the end. You're in the middle. You're not in, in, in your past, and you're not in your future. You're in the middle, and it's in the middle that his grace is sufficient. It's in the middle that mercy is renewed. It's in the middle that compassion will meet you. It's in the middle that you get a new 24. Hallelujah. Salvation is in the middle. Jesus died between two thieves. On the cross, in the middle, where heaven is, where purpose is, where salvation is. Let me pray for you this morning. Lord, we thank you, God, for the opportunity that we have here today. Because we recognize, God, that the reason some of us are going through some of the difficulty in our life is because you're not in the middle. You're off to the side somewhere. We're in the middle. We've, we've oriented and centered our entire life around ourselves, God. And today, Lord, we need you to be in the middle. We need you to, to occupy the middle. Today, right now, if that's you and you need to, you need to surrender your life to Jesus, the, the way I would tell you this morning is you need to put you out of the middle and you need to invite Jesus in the middle. 
Because experiencing salvation is Jesus taking the middle place of your life. That everything else centers around him. He's not just number one. He's not just the top priority. He is that which everything else revolves around. He is your son. He is what everything in your life rotates around. Put him in the middle this morning. Surrender your life to him. I can't promise you that everything's going to be a-okay and you're going to walk out of here and all your problems are going to disappear. That's probably not going to happen. But I can guarantee you this. If you will put him in the middle, he will meet you in the middle. If you will put and invite him in the middle of your life, he will meet you in the middle. And he'll, he'll, he'll give you an experience of heaven. He'll reveal purpose to you. And you'll experience salvation in the middle, right here, right now. Just cry out to him. The words that you use aren't important. The thief just said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. He didn't confess anything. He didn't use the right formula. He didn't ABC his way into heaven. He just said, remember me, Jesus. I trust you. That's all you got to tell him. I trust you. Lord, I trust you with my life. I surrender it all to you. Give me your life. Give me your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you. Lord, for those of us who are going through difficulty, help us to see that also the victory is in the middle. Victory is in the middle. The joy is in the middle. The miracle is in the middle. Faith is in the middle. Life is in the middle. Help us to see that what we've been looking for is not something that's behind us and it's not necessarily even something that's in front of us. It's what's happening right here in the middle. Grace is in the middle. Favor is in the middle. Blessing is in the middle of what we're in the middle of. Thank you, Jesus. Your name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. We always appreciate hearing how God is moving in your life. We all have a story to tell and we'd love to hear yours. Please visit verticalchurch.tv and click on the little pencil icon called Amen Corner to tell us your story. Also, if you'd like to support the ministry of Vertical Church financially, you can do so by clicking the giving link at verticalchurch.tv. Thank you again for taking the time to join us as we point those far from God to life in Jesus.